1: And, man, we got a lot of stuff uh, planned for today's show. We're going to check in with uh, somebody who was, I don't know, the design engineer for Northern Pacific Airways, uh, new interior for their 757s. Uh, Dennis and I went and saw the, you know, the reveal of their first aircraft. And we just saw the external parts, you know, like the paint job on the airplane, shiny, new, cool looking. Uh, we saw some mock-ups of some of the seats. Uh, That they had on display, but we didn't get to go inside the airplane. They weren't ready for that just yet, but uh, they're getting closer and uh, we have the guy who helped design the interior seating and I guess maybe even the layout of the aircraft for this new airline that hopefully will be uh, launching by the end of the year. Pretty exciting stuff. That would be kind of cool. It kind of ties into what we were talking about last week with uh, comparing international travel with domestic and first-class service, the seats and comfort and all that kind of stuff. I, Whether be,
2: you can recline or not.
1: Right, exactly. Find out uh, you know, what kind of goes <laughs> into their thinking when they're putting this stuff together beyond just price uh, and comfort. Because I have a feeling uh, there's a lot that goes into uh, planning these things out. So that'll be an interesting conversation to have. But first, let's talk about flying. Uh, I mean, uh, you've been doing some stuff lately, uh, right, Dennis?
2: I've been very busy last few days. Uh, just got back uh, last, uh, well, actually, uh, Tuesday morning from the Mooney Summit up in Tampa. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, that was a great time. There was uh, probably about 30 airplanes flew in, and probably twice as many people attended the event. Uh, we, uh, had twice as many as what, what from well, last year, many mean? people as airplanes. I mean, you know, oh, so we okay. had 30, some airplanes, probably 60, yeah. 70 people attended the actual event, Got it. but, uh, it was hosted at Peter O'Knight airport. And that was my first time into, uh, downtown Tampa into Peter O'Knight. I've been to, uh, St. St. Pete, you know, which has got the Dolly museum and the hangar restaurant and a few things like that. But this mm-hmm. is the first time I've flown into uh, downtown Tampa. Very nice little uncontrolled airport, two runways. It was Uh, Really nice facility, Atlas Aviation, really rolled out the red carpets for us and made it easy, got us parked. Uh, I had to laugh, though, because Mooney drivers, there's one thing that really bothers us whenever we go to an FBO, and that is if somebody goes and hooks a tug up to that airplane, we're really concerned that they don't turn the nose too far when they're tugging the airplane because it's very easy to damage the nose strut, and uh, it's expensive to fix. Yeah. Well, I'm greeted by the line guys and they're wearing t-shirts that say, yes, we're aware of your turn limits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, that's knowing your audience. That's that awesome. Is. You know, they weren't trying to be snarky to us. And yet they they were being very, you know, forward that, yes, we understand the requirements of a Mooney. And I thought it was hilarious. I took a picture. I, I just, I'm going to have to get that up on our website to share because, I mean, that really did kind of cement that these guys actually went the extra effort to know their audience that was coming here for the event so i i really enjoyed that well
1: maybe they're mooney acts too i mean well, uh,
2: we're going to convert them
1: right i mean did you uh, compare notes with some of those folks i mean obviously well, they knew that much did they get that from some of the people that were planning the event or do you think they already knew just from experience
2: I'm pretty sure they knew from experience because every Mooney owner that ever goes to an FBO, the first thing they tell the line guy is make sure you don't go beyond the red lines. And so, you know, some guys have gone so far as to get like uh, one of those beaded chains from like your ceiling fan. And they'll put a sign on it that says, you know, do not tow unless you're familiar with the, you know, handling of a Mooney. And they'll put that right where the tow bar is supposed to go just to as a reminder, just so they don't hook up. Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, did you know about this, uh, issue when you got your Mooney or yes. I mean, right away? Yeah,
2: yeah. no, like, hey. I knew about it. It's, it's one of those things that, uh, I think they've kind of got a, a correction for it now. If you get an overhauled nose trust from, uh, some of these companies that rebuild them, they've gone and put, uh, limit stops and things on there that prevent that, uh, metal from getting dented because they only give you i think it's like 32 thousandths of an inch that you can get that much of a dent in it and after that it has to be rebuilt hmm. so you yeah. know it's not much and, it, and it's very easy to do if you try to turn really really hard uh, with a tow bar on it you can put so much force on it it'll dent the aluminum
1: yeah and you don't want that no dents are not good <laughs> not at all not to fix that's for sure all right so that was your mooniac event and uh everybody got together, had a good time, socialized, compare notes. Were there were there some presentations and things too, or was yeah, it was just a, all
2: socializing? No, it was a two day event. Uh yeah. it was uh the first day was actually at the airport where we all kind of got together and they had a, a set of round table discussions where you could just kinda mill around kinda like speed dating within the hangar. You could talk to one guy about, you know, interior work, which turns out is the guy that I talked to about the interior work for mine. Uh, the gentleman that used to own the Mooney Service Center out in Wilmer, Minnesota, now lives down here in South Florida. And so he was uh, there giving people tips and techniques on how to repair things like uh, the if the plastic cracks around screw holes on your plane, how you can fix it yourself and things mm-hmm. like that. So that was really good. Um, there was presentations on aviation law and when and why you might need a lawyer or what to do if the FAA ever asks you to call them, things like that. So. You know, now I've got a resource in my back pocket that uh, and a phone number to call. You know, uh, also he did advise AOPA Legal Protection Services is a good idea as well. Right. So, you know, with things like that, there was just lots of diverse uh, topics there, and not to mention just camarad- camaraderie. You know, a lot of these people that were there, we've known them virtually through like Mooney Space or. Uh, other you know mooney specific venues that we you know in newsletters and things like that, you might see these guys in the Mooney Flyer magazine online that they maybe wrote an article or there's pictures of something that they were working on, so it was really neat to to meet these folks in person and actually be able to talk to them and spend time and
1: spend time and and just connecting with them and comparing your mooney act swag did you find a special cool t shirt to pick up or?
2: No, there wasn't a, a lot of vendors and things like like that. It wasn't like uh, Oshkosh where you've got a bunch of uh, third-party people coming in. But we did have a few uh, businesses that were exhibiting. Uh, our friend Scott from Aerox was there with the table and offering oxygen fills and portable systems. Right. The folks from Molex were there um, with their sensor cons, carbon monoxide detectors. Uh, Midcontinent Avionics was there showing off some of their little uh, gadgets and standby instruments and things you could put in your plane uh sarasota avionics was up there too with a garmin exhibit plus also uh, uh you know they have a, a maintenance and avionics install shop right. so. but
1: there's so much uh cool yeah. mooniac uh
2: swag oh, out there didn't you see just is. other uh
1: mooney guys walking around like oh man that's one of the coolest mooney hats i've ever seen
2: and well, like, i think almost everybody yeah. had some sort of a piece of mooney uh uh logoed attire on right and and i even had one guy come up to me he's like that is that your airplane over there? Yeah you're the only you must be the only other person that has that same 1982 blue tweed fabric (laughs) you know it's like we're comparing notes and our airplanes are like 50 serial numbers apart we both have 1982 mooney 201s and so it's kind of neat that i still have the factory interior and so does he
1: so you don't call it old interior call it retro it's vintage yes exact classic (laughs) i meant it i am just trying to be uh, true to the original styling of my aircraft yes that's your uh, out, I guess, between the two of you. Yeah,
2: right? Yeah, more or less. I mean, I'm putting my money into other things like the the engine, the avionics. The seat still works. Yeah. Someday I'd it, like huh? to get leather like Scott's. I was spoiled. I'll admit it. But, uh, right. you know, uh, in the meantime, I'm pretty comfortable. Those seats work, and we'll keep going with them for a while. Yeah. Well,
1: that that could be an upgrade down the road for sure. Or yep. down the flight path. All right, so uh weather holding up okay for that event. Uh but I tell you, Florida has been nuts <laughs> the last week or two. I mean, we are definitely in a crazy El Nino type Florida pattern, which means you can almost set your clock to the time that the thunderstorms are gonna start. And uh I mean the the skies just open up and just pour crazy amounts of water all over the state. And how this is affecting flying, uh, we're going to talk about that because uh, it definitely does. You can work around it, but you got to plan accordingly. And that's what we'll talk about next on
0: Just Plane Radio. Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle.
2: Who dares approach the great and powerful Roz?
1: Uh, Dennis, uh, Hangar 18 down the street. Silence! The great and powerful Roz knows why you have come. Okay, uh, some spark plug wires and washers for my Mooney 201? Silence! The magnificent Roz has every intention of granting your request. Great! But first, you must prove yourself worthy by bringing me a stick from a Cirrus vision jet. You know, I'm not a fan of the whole flying monkey thing i think i'm going to call aircraft spruce and specialty oh, okay
0: you got me uh, just a man behind the curtain with an aircraft spruce catalog pretty cool though huh you don't need a wizard to find parts for your plane you need aircraft spruce and specialty supplying the aviation industry for over 50 years aircraft spruce and specialty call 877-4-SPRUCE 877-4-SPRUCE or go to aircraft that's aircraft spruce.com Just Plane radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Increase altitude,
2: increase altitude. Stop, stop,
1: stop, stop. stop. You can know. is just plain radio gregor co-pilot that's me law captain dennis Swear, your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information and just uh, sharing a few little tidbits and anecdotes about what we experience when we're flying the skies over florida because right now literally you can set your watch to the afternoon thunder shower. Uh, you know that hits us i mean it almost doesn't matter where you are in the state we get these tropical thunderstorms in the afternoon where the skies just open up, just tons, dump tons of water, and the lightning is impressive. I mean, uh, Lakeland, Florida, smack dab in the middle of Florida, is the lightning capital of the world, I believe. And uh, they get more lightning strikes per you know, minute than anywhere else, I guess, on the planet, I've been told. And uh, it seems like it sometimes when you experience these afternoon thunder showers, we're going to get this probably at least through the month. They start, uh, you know, lightning up here probably about two, three weeks. But right now, man, it is nuts. And, you know, Dennis is, I'm in Orlando. Dennis is down in Fort Myers. And every time we connect uh, in the afternoon, it's like, hey, you got the thunderstorm going? Oh, yep. Yeah, may lose power any minute.
2: It uh, just have, something we got to deal with here. Right, Dennis? Well, and it's not even that, you know, you just have to plan your flying around it too. You know, yeah. try to get, try to get as much flying done in the mornings. You know, I generally get out with a student if I, uh, you know, on a weekend or something like that, I try to be seven, eight o'clock in the morning so that we're down maybe by noon, one o'clock before it starts to get really hot and sticky. And that gives me time to get the airplane put away and everything before two o'clock rolls around and you right. start to get the thunderstorms building up. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, now that we're at the tail end of that season, now we're starting to get the other problem. We're it starting is. to get the cooler mornings, and we have all the rain the night before, and then cool mornings makes for low clouds and fog. Mm-hmm. So woke up last week to you know two and a, two and a half miles visibility and mist in a you know indefinite ceiling. Like okay, well uh, I'm not going to have to wait a little bit before I go fly out to uh, the middle of the state to go teach uh, a couple of students, and uh, yeah, wound up actually having to file IFR for a. 15-minute flight because I needed to get up through the layer once it finally burned off enough that I felt comfortable being able to take off that if something were to happen, I would be able to, you know, turn back around or something.
1: See, I don't think that'll be a problem for me because I don't really plan to fly before like eight or nine o'clock anyway. You like to get up at the crack ass of dawn, don't you? Like five no, I don't.
2: I'd much rather sleep until about seven. But, but uh but when yeah. you know, Time when you're trying essence. to get things done and mm-hmm. you know, I'll make right. exceptions. Yeah,
1: he has like uh deadlines. I, I have like, well, you know, my sleep's more important and uh my excuses, yeah, I can't fly and uh, there's a fog. Fog issue. Yeah. yeah. It's well, not just not flying the fact up
2: that I to uh flying up to the event in tampa you know you start looking at things ahead of time it's like okay what uh, the event starts at 10 o'clock in the morning on sunday Mm -hmm. so that's good i can sleep in yeah i can you know it's only it's not even an hour flight from fort myers to tampa right so you know you start working things backwards okay nine o'clock i'd like to take off to try to get there Mm -hmm. well uh, looking at the weather at nine o'clock and it was still very overcast really <laughs> and, uh, it still was then huh yeah on sunday okay. so i i wound up uh actually you know pulling the airplane out and doing all the paperwork and and actually filed again and wound up having to fl- file instruments to fly up to um, to tampa and even 12 miles south of the field i was uh at I think I was still at 2,700 feet and still in the clouds. Really? So then, you know, then hmm. I started the approach and they're like, well, you can cancel on the ground or in the air. Your choice I Was like, well, I'm still on the instrument approach and I'm still in the clouds. So you're going to have to let me get a little bit closer to the field. Okay. And I'll call it. Well, you.
1: it sounds like you got a, one of, one of those off days. Cause usually, yeah. you know, in the morning hours, other than the morning fog, maybe, uh, I mean, it's beautiful. You know, the or first this, half of the yeah. day. And then it all, of a sudden it turns like, it's like the two extremes. You have like a beautiful sunny day and then all of a sudden boom here they come and it's like yep. well what tuesday the
2: leaving the event was polar opposite of that yeah um, i got up at six in the morning which i know you haven't seen that in a long time oh, hell no <laughs> uh, but i got up at six and got an Uber. They were at the hotel within two minutes of me uh, placing the call. So I had the airplane pre-flight and ready to go by 7 a.m. The sun still wasn't up yet. Hmm. So that was nice. And it was absolutely gorgeous. Not a cloud in the sky, not a bump anywhere. Yeah. Took off and, you know, 35 minutes later, I'm back home. It was incredible.
1: Well, I could do that right now. I'm still kind of on Fiji time. So uh, my body clock's a little messed up. So for me to get up early, is not an issue at the moment, but that'll change in another week or so.
2: <laughs> well, I was actually so. surprised that you remembered to, to uh, do the show today because I figured you were at least a day or two off one way or the other, you know, not sure with, you know, skipping days as you went out there and right. gaining a day coming back. And- yeah. I, I'm all upside down.
1: So uh, it, it doesn't really matter what time we do the show at this point, but, uh, but you know, I'm a trooper. I'll uh, hang in there and uh, you know, it's, it's like noon or so. So who cares? <laughs> No one's gonna have any pity for me. I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, no, expect I don't see anybody any bringing out any fiddles at all. No, no. no. Like, yeah, uh, you know, it's one of the things that you uh, muster through when you, you know, go to Fiji for two weeks. So, it, it is pretty good to be well, me. Sometimes.
2: Well, I'll have to experience that with you firsthand next time. I've already started doing the research, and I did find a flight school in Fiji that has Cessna 172s for rent. So, okay. maybe we can work that together. I, well, I,
1: I I told you uh, that that is something that we got to put on the list because I, f- I found the properties that have their own little private airstrip. So, uh, 172 I 172 would be we we can perfect fly. for it. Yeah. We'd have to fly, uh, we'll fly domestically. From L.A. to Nandi International Airport in Fiji, the main hub. And then uh, was the flight school there by the international airport? I would imagine it'd have to be.
2: I believe it was, actually. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we we would uh, rent the uh, Cessna there, and then we'd island hop all throughout the Fijian islands. It has to be a thing I mean, it was, they got the infrastructure for all of this. I, you know, I just had never thought about that until I got out there. I was like, Hey, we could do this. Gee whiz, this would be awesome. And it'd be no different than Island hopping through uh, the Bahamas for us in Florida. You know, I mean, that, that's the thing. The Fijian islands are kind of like the Bahamas for the folks in Australia and New Zealand. It's only like a three or four hour flight for them to fly to Fiji. And uh, it's the same thing. There, you know, Fiji has islands scattered all all throughout the Pacific there, a big, you know, geographic area.
2: Well, now you're and, giving me really bad ideas. Maybe we need to go to Sydney and go dive the Great Barrier Reef, then ooh. catch a short flight over to Fiji well, and do that.
1: You, we, yeah. we could, uh, you know, add more to it. If you that, like, that
2: would make uh, that would knock a lot of things off bucket lists, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: but you, the one thing you got to ha- take into account is time.
2: Yeah, I know. And, you, and that, that, can, I've got that four letter word to contend with that you don't. What, time? No. Work. Yeah, work.
1: Oh, don't say that. I know it's a bad word. Bad juju.
2: But uh, yeah. but yeah,
1: you know, it's uh, you got plenty to do in Fiji alone, but yeah, if you want to tag on some uh, adventures in australia or new zealand or us folks in the usa it's pretty tempting for sure we're going to talk with uh, somebody from northern pacific airways and how they've designed the interior of their aircraft next on just plane radio
0: just plane radio the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle
1: Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is your full-service flight school. A state-of-the-art flight simulator, a fleet of the latest Cessna aircraft, and a staff of full-time seasoned flight instructors are just a few of the many reasons Flight Training Professionals in Orlando is the place to start your aviation adventure. Call 407-896-0077. That's 407 896 0077 or go to ftpros.com. That's ftpros.com.
0: You are now clear for takeoff with Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Any you boys seen an aircraft carrier around here? Night by night, so away from here. my, life again. By night, by my dear. Ship is I
1: This is just plain radio, Gregor co-pilot. That's me along with Captain Dennis. We are now joined by Edmund, who is a uh, member of the Northern Pacific Airline fleet. That is, uh, I think the plan is still to launch by the end of the year. They're still working on that, uh, you know, exact date, I believe. But Edmund, welcome to Just Plane Radio. How are you? Good. Thank you. What, what is the official title? Because you helped design the interior or pretty much all of the aircraft that we saw there at the, the launch of uh, the airline right. a few months ago.
3: Um, so my title is um, creative director, um, uh, chief creative officer of the uh, firm that I work at. And um, I work in corporate branding, but I think in the last 10 years have specialized more so in aviation. And so I've worked on a number of projects with different clients um, involving startups and airlines that have gone through some type of change. And so um, I impact both um, concept, design, uh, strategy, um, really sort of a, a full gamut. Of, uh, activity so, so
1: I, I love it I mean you know uh when Dennis and I went to the launch uh, of the airline uh you know we didn't get to see the interior of the aircraft they're still working on that but then we saw mm-hmm. the paint job and and the plane itself when it came through the hangar as I mean that was an impressive Aircraft. I mean, just the paint scheme, the color scheme, every how everything came together. I mean, these look; these are going to be an impressive uh, things to see at the airport uh, when they launch there. Hopefully, by the end of the year, you
2: agree, Dennis? You think I agree? There's there's a lot we take for granted. I mean, you get on the jetway and you walk inside, and there's the airplane, but you know, you never think about what it takes and all the decisions that go into things like the color scheme and why that would matter and what what type of image you're portraying. And and even the seats themselves, think about it. There's what, 150 or more seats in that airplane? Each Mm -hmm. of them weighs how much, you know, that all affects the payload of the plane. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if you go with a little thicker fabric, I imagine that, uh, might not work well with the customer's demand desire to have so many pounds of useful load on the plane, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah and, and and i gotta say it's always good to say when you're at the airport hey i'm flying on that cool airplane right over there at the <laughs> cool paint job and stuff but yeah we saw some mock-ups of the chairs uh at the <laughs> event and, and yeah. what were the was that the final design or have you done some more tweaking because uh, i i know we got some uh photos they sent us uh from northern pacific airways and they look similar but uh, have there been some tweaking mm-hmm. since the event or what do you think
3: well so I have to first of all clarify. I um, I gave high level direction um, mm-hmm. and of course a lot of very specific uh, render designs ideas for the interior. But but a separate um, company was hired to actually do the the seats because the interior um, product is a sort of a separate skill set. Yeah. Um, and so it usually is farmed out to uh, another uh, firm that works on that one area. But. The thing that I would probably lay claim to is that um, I definitely set a very sort of clear direction for what I felt on, and you know, obviously the client was on board. Mm-hmm. but the interior concept using black right. um, and the leather uh, finish um, and the
1: overall color scheme and, and feel uh, and then and say, design, okay, you guys know the deal about the weight restrictions and s- yeah, space and them. like you do your magic yeah. and here here's my guy magic.
3: Yeah, you got it. I think the the other thing that we provide is sort of a very robust set of design iconography, uh, motifs, uh, various sort of graphic elements. And that is sort of how I work. So I think the core sort of concept, which was bringing to life the majestic sort of natural beauty of Alaska. Yeah, but understanding that a sensibility coming from Asia, so Asian travelers who have their own sort of aesthetic, their own sensibilities. So when I present to the client, I usually spend a lot of time making sure that the mock-ups look very comprehensive. Because usually airline people, owner-operators, they're not creative types. They have a clear vision in their own way, but You really have to bring that idea to life. And you have to make sure that when you present, you literally envelop them in a new world. And so I did a lot of of design around the brand. So here's what a check-in desk would look like. Here's what a uniform could be. Here's what advertising could look like. You really want to hit all touch points. And then from there, the client... Hopefully, it's like, wow, I really feel this.
1: And Edmund, I'll tell you, I'm going to give you my thoughts. Just from the color scheme and the layout of what we've seen so far, you got black, silvers, and whites. They kind of put out a classy vibe, like upscale, you know, even though I think Northern Pacific Airways, they're going to try to come in, you know, not necessarily budget carrier, but they're going to be economical and uh, right in there. But but it still comes off as a, a very classy almost like business first-class type of experience. Like, you know, yeah. driving a Cadillac Escalade Well, I think thing. it's
2: even a notch above an Escalade. I think it's more like a sports car. I mean, they chose the 757-200, which if you talk to pilots, they really sexy. do call that it's a sexy, fast, yeah. you know, airplane. Sexy. there you go. And then you combine that with a very nice, elegant look to it without right. being ornate, clean-cut and crisp. So
1: yeah. that's what we're picking up. Was that what you were putting out? <laughs>
3: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No. And I and I and I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I said to the team on the client side, I said, I don't Mm -hmm. think you want to feel as if the experience is anything less than premium. So I tried very hard to ensure that. And also, guys, it's not an A350. It's not a new Airbus product. It's not the 787. It's an older aircraft type. And so one of the considerations is how do you make something that you know, it was a little dated. Feel fresh and modern and, and futuristic.
1: What about on the seats themselves? Are we talking like a business class type of seat, reclining, or what, what kind of seating type setup do you have for
2: or, the, or did you block out reclining so we don't have to have this discussion? Oh, ever again.
1: That's a whole different <laughs> issue, Edmund. But tell us what you guys are planning for Northern Pacific Airways.
3: So it's a three class config, it's business first, premium, and then economy. And then first class seats, of course, have more amenities in terms of the actual seat. Right. Uh, in terms of the table trays and the reclining, I don't have a lot of the details in terms of specs on the seat. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, when Rob said, no, we're going to keep it three, three class. I'm like, great. And then I had always imagined really a, a darker interior. The initial Inspiration that I showed them was a very dark interior. I lean into the sexy, like right. stylish, sexy, as opposed to a bright white sort of that type of look. Because mm-hmm. people are sleeping on these flights, primarily, sure. I mean, they're, or they're watching movies, and it's usually a dimly lit environment. Imagine flying in something that felt like you were flying in the sky with the heavens, the stars. So, you know, I really sort of played the story up, and then when we got closer to actually talking about the specifics then, you know, we scaled it back a little, but I really wanted to do a black interior. And interestingly, there are some Asian carriers, which totally buy into that sort of black seat, you know, all black seats. And some people would say, oh, black, it's a dark color. You know, why would you want to do that? But I'm like, no, I I think it, it will look very stylish. And I think we should go for it. So the color strategy was always sort of set as doing something with dark colors, And then the leather was sort of an interesting sort of element as well, like something that felt a bit more premium. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at closely on the seats themselves, it looks like what the firm that was hired did was they really worked closely with the design elements that I supplied. Bringing Um, in things like the mountain
2: peaks in Alaska and Northern Lights and things like that, that would kind of, and it's hard to believe that you can do that with stitching. And put that yeah, into right. upholstery and bring a message across. But for what we've seen, you know, I wish we could have seen it in for real, but hopefully we'll still get a chance.
1: In time. Hopefully by the end of yeah. the year. I mean, it's impressive yeah. stuff. I mean, like I said, the color scheme, outside, inside, very classy. You know, very limo like or Escalade like, you know. I mean, it, it, we're going to have to get
2: like. him to look at my Mooney seats and see what we can do yeah, after, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, to we get might called out for my
3: 1980s tweed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> be
2: a slightly smaller well, you know, project. What there,
3: so, you know, it always comes back at some point. So, there you go. Well, well you can check
1: but, them out uh, on their website, NP.com, Northern Pacific Airways. Once again, they hopefully yeah. are going to be launching by the end of the year. We'll see. Uh, how that goes, and we'll follow it accordingly on Just Plane Radio. Edmund, thank you for being on the show today. That was enlightening stuff. My pleasure. Thank and you so much. You got it. We got more coming up on Just Plane Radio.
0: Just Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Plane Radio, the show devoted exclusively to flying and the aviation lifestyle. Six
2: bucks, in my right nut says we're not landing in Chicago.
1: This is Just playing Radio. Greg, your co-pilot. That's me along, Captain Dennis. We're your crew navigating the latest aviation news and information. Okay, so we got a few little tidbit stories. I don't know, maybe Northern Pacific Airways. They might even uh, pick up a nugget or two of knowledge from these uh, stories of of what not to do. Is that right, Dennis? When they Yeah, launched pretty the airline? much. Uh, yeah.
2: We're going to have to figure out some way how to uh, restrict what the passengers are able to do with their iPhones. You know, doing airdropping of pictures apparently has been a problem recently. Uh, one uh, Southwest Airlines captain actually had to make an announcement threatening to take the airplane back to the gate if people didn't stop sending unsolicited uh, photos. And I think you know exactly what kind of unsolicited photos were being airdropped throughout the cabin on that particular flight.
1: What? How did uh, somebody air uh, some inappropriate photos? Uh, some DPS. As <laughs> that we, would be the one. We'll yes, at, uh, I heard about this story, and, and they they tracked down who it was. I don't know if how they identified him. I hope it didn't involve well, <laughs> a cavity search or
2: drop your drawers. I, I know exactly how they identified him. <laughs> they put him in a lineup. <laughs> oh boy! But they got uh. the
1: guy. And uh but the captain came on the uh, loudspeaker and said, "Hey, if you're getting these pictures, <laughs> we're going to get well, you." Or what? how well, did that apparently go? he
2: managed to airdrop it? And the captain also didn't have his phone set up correctly, so that was really kind of the last straw. Well, oh, the, the captain, captain ax- got
1: the picture. Yeah. and that was the end of that.
2: That that put an end to that fun and games. Wow. And honestly, I don't know understand what possesses somebody to want to send a picture of their junk to someone else. Uh, That's especially. No,
1: that's inappropriate. Yeah. Very. Okay. So don't do that, but I don't think we'll have that issue. I think that I'm hoping that's a one-off type of a situation, but, uh, I don't know this other story about leaving their passengers on the runway too long. What happened there?
2: Well, actually it wasn't that they were left on the runway. They pushed back from the gate and it was six hours to taxi because they kept getting delayed, weather delayed, and eventually had to actually refuel the airplane Because they'd been taxiing for so long with the engine running, they didn't have enough fuel to complete the flight. So, they had to go back to the gate. So, how would you like that? It's bad enough to, you know, okay, great. We got to the airport. We got there on time. We pushed off on time. And there we are. Yeah. Six hours later. We probably would have already been to our destination. But we're still at the Origin Airport, still well, waiting to get to the runway.
1: What was the problem? Was it a weather delay? Or I, we know? Yeah,
2: I think they cut continuous weather delays and air traffic control holds. Uh, yeah. It just compounded to the point that of just utter ridiculousness. I mean, six hours of taxiing. Yeah.
1: You know, it's always a challenge. I've I've been caught not to that extreme, but I've always wondered you know, especially when you get to the budget carriers, they are, they always, you know, one of the the great things they figured out how to uh, save money is by just putting barely enough fuel in their airplanes to get where they got to go. And that, you know, it, it makes them, you know, more efficient uh, when it comes to weight and all that kind of stuff. But of course, they don't figure in enough of a delay sometimes. And I had that happen once. I think I got diverted to West Palm Beach. And one of those Florida uh, thunderstorms one afternoon when I was supposed to land in Miami and we got delayed because of weather and, and diverted to West Palm. And then we sat on the runway waiting for the weather to clear. And then they made an announcement about, you know, 30 minutes later, like, well, we, we've we gotten clearance, but now we don't have enough fuel. So we're going to have to go over and get fueled up. And, uh, you know, it caused another hour delay. And that was kind of aggravating.
2: I've been in a similar situation. In fact, it was the first time that our family had ever been to Fort Myers. Uh, We were actually flying to Miami to go scuba diving in the keys and a big summer thunderstorm had set up camp over Miami international. And so we were out holding over the Everglades, waiting for the storm to pass. And it didn't. Mm -hmm. And after about an hour of, you know, holding, Delta finally came back and said we have to go over to Fort Myers land and refuel because we don't have enough fuel to keep up, you know, stay up here any longer. Right. So we actually that was our first time into Fort Myers uh was, you know, for an unexpected fuel stop. Well, I hate that they
1: the, uh they do that even though I know they're doing it to try to save money, but I wish they'd just fill up every time they land.
2: Like, well you it's got not all practical downtime. though, Greg. Think well, about it. Why? If you were to fill up an airliner, yeah. You you know, a, a The 737 can go to Hawaii. Do you need that much fuel if you're going from Atlanta to Fort Myers? No, it's only an hour flight. So it makes no sense to put 13 hours of fuel on board because it costs a lot of money for the airlines to carry all of that weight around. They actually, you know, look at the mental math, you know, they do all the math to figure out, okay, how much does it cost for fuel at this site? Whether or not it's more cost effective to pay the penalty and the excess fuel burn, to tanker the fuel versus just having it topped off, you know, because maybe it's a little more expensive there. But at the end of the day, it works out being cheaper than hauling out around that dead weight.
1: Well, don't top off, but uh, maybe at least put a few extra hours. I, I think some of them are, are, you know, cutting it too close. You know what I'm saying? Well, because
2: it's they're definitely they're save. not flying them to uh, IFR minimums, which is, you know, 45 minutes plus your alternate. That They're definitely going beyond that. But still. Um, it it does get it factors in. There's a cost mm-hmm. to carrying around that extra fuel. And,
1: well, no doubt. But uh, when you get stuck on the runway like that, yeah, uh, you don't want to be those folks. I feel well, for them.
2: And the ultimate insult for the poor passengers was after waiting all that time, the flight ultimately got canceled anyway. Right. Yeah, because the flight crew was beyond their crew duty day. Of course. <laughs> so
1: what, you know, what did they give them? Maybe a bag of peanuts, or we we don't know well I'm mean, gonna guess that.
2: given the airline involved it was probably nothing uh-huh all right well we won't even put
1: it out there because you know you could take your pick from probably several carriers that could find themselves doing that but yeah. you know it's it's one of the unfortunate challenges uh that you have to deal with uh, like I said especially right now we're in the middle of it in Florida with the with the seasonal rain that we get in the afternoon I mean this is it will happen so you know if they're flying in Florida, Yeah, guys, come on, just gas up a little bit more, knowing that we're going to have these afternoon thunder showers that are going to disrupt travel.
2: No, I imagine that their dispatchers do factor that in because, you know, they they obviously aren't arriving with the minimum. Sometimes
1: they do, sometimes they
2: don't. It's highly variable. You know, just look at this week. You know, one morning I had to wait, you know, two hours to burn off and still had to file. uh, And the next, you know, two days later, it was, you know, severe clear VFR, no problem. Yeah.
1: Well, you just know. to be clear, the people that got stuck on the runway for six hours wasn't the same flight where the guy was sending out the pictures to everybody on airdrop, right?
2: No, no, not at all. <laughs> not even the same airline. So
1: that that would have been interesting because <laughs> I think they probably would have dealt with them right then and there. I, I'd imagine. Yeah, possibly. All right, so uh, we got time for one more story. What do we got?
2: The Walmart story. What is going on there? Well, this was, uh, I, I kind of wish that you hadn't headed off to uh, Fiji, because this would have been just, there's so many ways that we could make fun of this particular story. Uh, you know, a pilot wound up, or not a pilot, he was actually a line service employee at the Tupelo, Mississippi airport. Okay. And I, I don't know what was going on in his head, but apparently he was very frustrated with Walmart or something. He stole a King Air. Now, okay. We're talking, you know, twin-engine turboprop. And kind of reminiscent of the guy up in Seattle. He actually was able to get started, take off, and was flying all around at one point was threatening to crash the airplane into the Tupelo Mississippi Walmart. What?
1: Why? What did he have I don't know against, what he Walmart. Had against
2: Walmart? I mean, where do you start? But, you know, there's huh. a reason they have a People of Walmart website, but is that a reason to go and crash an airplane into it? I don't think so. No. Um, it's not fortunately, that bad. clear heads prevailed. They were able to talk the guy down, and he actually made a halfway decent emergency landing into a field. They didn't get him back onto an airport, but he put it down to a field somewhere, and they uh, they arrested him. And I'm sure he'll be. Locked up for a long time to come.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't know why he had it out for Walmart, but uh, I'm glad it
2: uh, it ended okay.
1: Get some good bargains there, right?
2: Well, yeah, it's bad enough because he damaged a a very expensive airplane, which is ultimately going to affect me, too. Because, uh, you know, if somebody crashes an airplane, it affects everybody's insurance policies. Yes, come on. It's too small of an industry.
1: All right. Well, on that disturbing note, we'll just wrap it up. Till next time, remember...
2: There's no better high than learning to fly.